Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. To our new listeners, welcome. To our old listeners, welcome back. Another episode of Magical Education awaits you, but first, we would like to say a few words. Nitwit, blubber, oddment, tweak. Podcast down to three quarters, topic of the week is, what qualifications do you need to teach at Hogwarts? Hey there listeners, I'm Jem. And I'm Rhea, and today we're talking about mm, what it actually takes to be a professor at Hogwarts. Not much. (laughs) (laughs) Not a lot. No. (laughs) I started off by looking at what it takes to be a muggle teacher. Do we want to start there before we jump into Hogwarts teachers? Yes, please. Okay. So I looked, this is like specifically the teaching requirements to teach in Australia, because, I don't know, I just do all my research based on Australia. (laughs) Why don't you do it so, UK-based? Because the books are set in the UK. This happens every time. I know. <laughs> the podcast that we do is set in Australia because that's where we live. I mean, look, Commonwealth country, it's basically the same. Yeah. It's harder to research, like, laws and social norms in a country that I was not raised in. Like, it's easier to talk about what's standard in Australia because I have experience with it. And then try and just relate that to a fictional place that's just not real. It it doesn't matter. Hogwarts isn't real. (laughs) Sure. Anyway, (laughs) to be a teacher in Australia requires a minimum of four years of higher education. So the standard Bachelor of Education is a Mm four-year program, but you can also do three years in any sort of regular degree, and then a one-year of post-grad education. So you can do like three years of, I don't know, communication okay. and media or whatever, and then do one year teaching and then become like a media teacher. Mm. Or like, yeah, science or English, whatever. Yes, yeah. whatever. Any degree you like. So the course also has a minimum of 45 days of supervised teaching practice. So that's a minimum of nine weeks in the classroom with a qualified experienced teacher working with students before you graduate. Yeah. And mm-hmm. just more information about how it goes. You can either specialize in early education to work with really young children, specialize in multiple subjects, Uh which is needed to be like a high school teacher or I think a high school or a primary school teacher. No, a high school teacher Mm -hmm. because you have to be able to teach multiple subjects or you can go on to teach at the university level. To be a university level teacher, you have to do further academic study, including a postgraduate teaching qualification. So you need, like, a lot of experience and interest in the specific area that you're teaching. Mm. But what I found out is you don't actually need any experience as a teacher. Like, it's considered helpful, but not really necessary. Oh, okay. That explains a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it does. (laughs) Having done uni. Yeah, so you can totally be, like, a university lecturer without any sort of real teaching qualification if you're just a really big expert in, I don't know, law or whatever, whatever you're teaching. Okay. 
which has definitely come across in some of my uni classes. <laughs> also, the word professor describes somebody who is basically a professional academic okay. with very high level degrees. Yep. <laughs> so I don't think that's equivalent to the magical world, but we'll discuss that in a minute. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, my basic hypothesis from this is that Instead of aligning really closely to a high school teacher, which you would assume is the equivalent, a Hogwarts professor is more like a university lecturer. Yeah. Teaching by right of subject expertise rather than experience as an actual educator. Yeah. So, yeah. Let's talk more about the Hogwarts teachers specifically. That tracks. Hogwarts teachers specifically. It makes sense. I have all the details. I have all the tea on the teachers, what they teach what their known qualifications are, and why they got the job. Okay, this is going to be really interesting, because I also want to talk about why one person in specific didn't get the job, Mm -hmm. because I have a theory based on this, so we'll go into it. Alright, so I've done this in alphabetical order by surname, so the first is Cuthbert Bins, our favourite teacher, (laughs) the ghost teacher. (laughs) Yes! Who teaches history. Love talking about ghosts! (laughs) Who teaches history of magic. Known qualifications, I couldn't find any. <laughs> got the job because he applied. <laughs> Amazing. And then got the job again because he died and they decided not to get anyone <laughs> new, I guess. Wild. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could just apply and get a job. Oh, the luxury. <laughs> well, that is how it's supposed to work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you think. So I was about to say... You know, we should really give Professor Bins the benefit of the doubt because there's no reason to assume that he's not qualified to teach. Mm-hmm. But with what we know of the magical world, it's probably better to be like, there's no reason to assume that he is qualified to teach. Yeah. That's probably a fairer assessment. I found nothing. There are other teachers where it's like, oh, you know, they they possibly studied their subject that they teach in school. But like with him, there's just nothing. There's no explanation for why he's a history of magic teacher. Beyond the fact that we know from his character that he's passionate about the subject because he knows a lot. Yeah. But we don't know that he learnt it mm-hmm. from an educational institution. He might have just learnt it from reading or, yeah. I don't know, family history. Like, we don't know. <laughs> yeah. He's very knowledgeable about the subject matter. But the other thing that we called attention to in our ghosts episode is how is he with recent history? Because depending on how long ago he died, he might have been dead for hundreds of years and he might not teach anything that's, maybe not anything that's relevant, but anything that's recent, such as, you know, the first Voldemort war, Mm. which would be incredibly relevant, but he just wouldn't know or care about it. We know that, like, the kids learn about the Statue of Secrecy, don't they? Yeah. I don't think we specifically sit in on that class with Harry. I think, as far as I know, that's, like, 1600s, 17th century. So that's, mm-hmm. like, the latest date I can remember them learning about. Just off the top of my head. <laughs> so, yeah, who knows if they learned anything more recent than that. God, I don't remember. I'd have to look back into our notes on the History of Magic episode. Not the History of Magic episode. Mm. The Hogwarts Subjects episode where we talked about History of Magic. Yeah. Because there were a bunch of dates in that, but I didn't memorize them or anything. Yeah. So yeah, that's just wild. Like he, he, the reason that he's working there is because he just applied and got the job, I guess. And then that's just been his job forever until beyond the grave. (laughs) So he just doesn't seem qualified. 
That is how jobs are supposed to work. You're supposed to just apply for a job and get it. Mm. Because you have the relevant qualifications and experience. I know, but it, like, it really just seems to me like he was the only one that applied and just got it because mm-hmm. he applied. Not there, like, there was no sort of rigorous testing or, like, you know... Like, teachers apply for a position and they... They get their history checked. They get blue card checks. Mm-hmm. They they um, working with children checks, police checks. They get observed. Yeah, they get observed in the classroom. They get some schools have a system where the students or the parents can give feedback about how the teacher's doing and all this sort of stuff. Like it's just there doesn't seem to be these contingencies in place for Hogwarts at all. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I just great. looked it up and. <laughs> The most recent thing that we have a record of them learning about in History of Magic is the Gargoyle Strike of 1911, which, by the way, okay. is super interesting. I really want to talk about that. Yeah. But 1911 is pretty recent. Yeah, that's like 80 years before the book set, right? 70 years? Yeah. So I feel like Bins probably isn't. He probably hasn't been dead for hundreds of years. He's probably been dead for decades. Mm. Still, that's an issue. <laughs> History's happening all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, he's going to be out of date. Mm. If not already. And just the fact, like, yeah. we haven't even talked about his teaching approach yet, how he doesn't even know the students' names, <laughs> how, because he's a ghost, he can't interact with the classroom tools, so he can't, you know, write on the board or hand out mm-hmm. worksheets or anything like that. Like, he can't interact with things physically, and that's pretty bad for teaching. He just stands at the front of the class and lectures until someone interrupts mm-hmm. him and he notices. It's not a practical teaching method. It's like how yeah. most university lectures it's do It's not it. even like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some university lectures get up in front of the class and just start lecturing. But usually yeah. they do it with written notes on the like projector mm. or the blackboard or something with them. So you can at least write down some of what they're saying, follow their notes, blah, blah, blah. But Bins actually can't write anything down. So you have to just yeah. listen to what he's saying. And if you can't keep up with what he's saying, because people tend to talk faster than you can write, yeah. you're just missing information constantly. Imagine being a student who isn't like a verbal linguistic learner as well. So you're not like an auditory learner. Mm-hmm. You like you go off like, you know, what you see. So you need things that are written down or you need things that are explained to you through like uh, examples and metaphors. And he just doesn't do that. Like imagine being a student that... Mm-hmm. can't write quickly or has dyslexia and can't write very well or anything like that just yeah you're fucked like someone with like auditory processing issues yeah like i know people who hear things and can't comprehend it straight away like they need a few seconds to think about what they just heard before they can respond to it yeah. so that makes bin's teaching method impossible because by the time you figured out the first sentence he said he's on to his fourth sentence and you haven't had time to process it never mind translate it into your brain and then write it down it just yeah. makes the whole thing impossible it's an impractical teacher and he should be fired <laughs> yeah he's not qualified anyway is that the point of next. this episode <laughs> i think we're just going i don't know we're checking them off the next i have on the list <laughs> we're just is... talking about the teachers Next I have on the list is Charity Burbage. She's Muggle Studies teacher for a while. So... Yeah, hero. The qualifications that I found is that likely she did her owls and newts with Muggle Studies and got good results. There's always the word likely. It's never confirmed. <laughs> like, except yeah. for a few teachers that was like, they definitely did this in their owls and newts. 
But, like, it's just fucking, give me an answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that she may have done muggle arts and music, and that she got the job because there was an open spot that needed filling. Again. God. The simplicity. <laughs> there was an open spot that needed filling. Weird. Weird. It's just odd. It's just odd. The way it's phrased is odd. This is, it's, it's, it's weird to me. Like, it'd be fine if it was just a regular public school, but this is the one school of magic in the UK. It's quite a prestigious school. It's a historic school. It's a private boarding school. It just, it really seems to me like the teachers that teach there should be absolute experts in their field. Mm -hmm. Like, it really seems like that should be the case. These are people responsible for the the only magical education that these students are going to get in four different countries in one place. Like, it's just... It's very important that the people who teach there are really up to scratch. Yeah. And just the way that, like, a lot of it's phrased and that, oh, there was an open position or they just applied. It just, it seems very flippant and I don't like it. I don't think it's good enough. <laughs> like, okay. I'm sure Charity Burbage is fine and there's no evidence to say that she isn't. I just, I don't like the phrasing of this particular thing. And it happens with most of the teachers. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> This is something that we'll talk about later in the episode, but my research basically got into what we know about the educational system in the wizarding world and what that implies about wizarding society on a larger scale. And you would assume that Hogwarts being, you know, such a prestigious institution and such a huge part of magical society being the only main educational institution in, like you said, multiple countries, you would assume that it's a very prestigious position to be teacher, a teaching at Hogwarts, and mm-hmm. lots of people are vying for those positions, and it's very hard to get in. But on the flip side, if there's only one school and there's only like a dozen different teaching jobs there, how many people actually try to become teachers? Maybe there's. Hmm. It's not an issue of demand; it's an issue of supply. How many people go through the amount of work that you would need? to become a teacher and also have the interest in becoming a teacher. Maybe there's just not a lot of people who are willing to become Hogwarts professors. And that's why it's like, well, you know, we had a job opening and this person applied for it. I mean, I just, I mean, that's definitely the case, the DADA teacher. Mm-hmm. But I think that it should really be a case considering some of the standards of the teachers that are teaching there. If I was going to that school and I'm just like, you know, a motivated person, I would be like, fuck, I could be doing a better job than this idiot. Like, yeah. Like, you know, I would kind of be motivated to get their job because they're just not up to scratch. You yeah. sucked. Look, <laughs> like, frankly, I felt that way about some of the teachers in our high school, but then that didn't drive me to go on and become a high school teacher. But that said, it did go on and drive some of my friends to become high school teachers. So who knows? Exactly. It doesn't, it's not everyone, but I think it's enough people where it could have been a thing that a phenomenon that happened. But yeah, I really think it's just, yeah. there seems to be a, a thing at Hogwarts where it's like, if you have the job, you have it till you die. And then some, so maybe it is like sealed. Yeah. Fucking tenured all of them. The next is Albus Dumbledore. He was a former transfiguration teacher and then a eventual <laughs> headmaster. So, wild that Dumbledore was the third person on your list. <laughs> like, you didn't start with him. Alphabetical. <laughs> so, I know, but still. We know from learning about Dumbledore's history that he got top owls and newts, that he was, like, an amazing student. Yeah. And that he got the job because, basically, he was a protege and he asked for the job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
everyone was obsessed with Albus Dumbledore. They were like, he's going to be the next Minister for Magic. So when he wasn't interested in politics and he's like, I want to work at Hogwarts, they're like, oh, fuck, yes, of course, come work at Hogwarts. <laughs> yeah, basically. Something is that's what happened. going to, yeah, something that's going to factor into what I'm going to say later. We also know that he studied alchemy with Nicholas Flamel, and I kind of interpreted that as to like a oh, yes. mentorship slash apprenticeship type thing. So yeah, there's yeah. there's the implication that he did do further study after leaving Hogwarts. He didn't go straight from student to teacher. Yeah. But then again, that wasn't mm. study in Transfiguration, which is what he taught. He was studying alchemy. <laughs> yes, but it was further study of some kind. <laughs> he could have done three years of alchemy and then one year of a regular yeah. teaching thing, and he would have been qualified to teach in Australia, which is where Hogwarts is. <laughs> <laughs> he would have. <laughs> Uh, we don't really see much of what Dumbledore's like in, in as a teacher in terms of mannerisms beyond what we see in Fantastic Beasts. Mm-hmm. However, like, you know, it's whether or not you consider that canon, uh, I don't really have yeah. much weight on it. He's the defense against the dark arts teacher. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking stupid. But anyway, I would presume that he's a perfectly capable yeah. teacher, really good at, you know, the magic that he does, and really good at explaining things to people as we see in the way that he sort of mentors and teaches Harry. He takes a lot of care and time into the way that he explains mm-hmm. things and teaches. So I think he would have been a very adequate teacher. Yeah. So I can't really complain about Albus much. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm definitely willing to, give him, willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think something that Dumbledore... Something that I assume Dumbledore does well is that thing that teachers do where they give you enough information for you to figure it out on your on your own. Mm. Like, they're developing your reasoning and learning skills by not just yeah. handing you everything on a plate. Yeah. I think he's the sort of teacher who does that. And also, we know that he's the sort of teacher that knows the kind of natures and personalities of the students that he's teaching because that's evident in the series. He's He, like, he knows that, you know... Hermione loves books and is a, a more of a reading, learning student. He knows that Harry needs to learn things practically and by and independently. He knows that Tom Riddle was a psychopath. Mm-hmm. He knows like he knows a lot of yeah. things about the teachers that he teaches. He's, they're not just a homogenous group to him. He knows them personally as well. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, he takes a personal interest in the student. He also gets very invested in the students. Yeah. The next I have is Ferenz. who taught divination. Yeah. So good boy. Known qualifi- known qualifications. Uh, is a centaur, and as we know, the species of centaurs have a close connection with divination. Not human divination, I might add, but their own branch of divination and and future seeing. And he got the job Mm. because of intra-school politics. (laughs) That was the reason he got the job, let's be real. (laughs) He got the job to piss off Umbridge. (laughs) That's true. 100% that's true, and I stand by that correct decision. (laughs) But we don't know much about centaur society. They may have an edu- a formal educational system but I'm going to say to the best of our knowledge he has no formal education or qualifications to be a teacher yeah I mean we see one of his classes and it seems pretty cool but Harry mm. says that he can't quite understand what's going on and some of the other students like P- Poverty and Lavender who are quite into divination mm-hmm. are like oh but we learned it this way from Professor Trelawney and he's like oh those are silly human ways and it's like, yeah, well... Yeah, but we're human. But that's... We are humans. <laughs> <laughs> and also, the tests will be written by humans. Yeah. So you kind of need to know the human way. Like, I understand it's very important to learn about the central way and appreciate it, but they, they're they learning in an institution which has its own boundaries, so... Yeah. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> uh, I mean, he's not the worst teacher. Yeah. I think it would be massively... <laughs> 
helpful. No, not massively helpful. Like, it would be a fantastic experience if, as part of the divination curriculum, like, a centaur came in to do, like, a guest lecture, and you did, like, a section on centaur divination. But I think if you try and structure the yeah. entire the entire curriculum around a branch of divination that humans don't really have access to, it's just not going to work very well. Like, 100%, he was just in that position to piss off Umbridge and be, like, a big middle finger to the Ministry of Magic. <laughs> it's nothing to do with, like, practical education for the students. <laughs> the next on the list is Phileas Flitwick. Sorry I'm spitting through these, but, like, we've got to get through a lot of teachers in an hour. Yeah. Okay. The next on the list is Phileas Flitwick, who teaches charms. Mm-hmm. Main lad. Love him. Known for qualifications. Again, the word may is used. He may have achieved high owls and newts in charms. And possibly defense against the dark arts, too, because we know he's a dueling champion, mm-hmm. which I think adds to his qualifications. Yeah. It speaks to life experience, certainly. Yeah. It's also said on his page that he likely studied magic further because he didn't start teaching until the 70s, even though he graduated like a decade earlier. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the assumption that he, like, as soon as he finished school, he wanted to be a teacher, but I don't know, like, maybe he just didn't think about becoming a teacher till later. But even then, this 10-year gap shows that he was doing stuff outside of Hogwarts before deciding to return and teach. So maybe he was getting... Yeah, but he might have been... He might have been using that time to become a dueling champion. Exactly. He might have been, like, ten years on the international dueling circuit. That's what I assumed as well. He might have just been, you know, yeah. kicking it up on holiday in the Caribbean. We have no idea what he was doing. <laughs> like, he doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be furthering his studies or his skill. He could have just been, you know, cruising around town. Yeah. And it, it's unclear why he got the job. I looked it up, it just it didn't really say. So, <laughs> I mean, I, he's very skilled. Uh. I'm not saying that, like, yeah. you know, he doesn't deserve the job. He's a very skilled guy and a great teacher, one of the best teachers. So Absolutely. You know, that's that's Flitwick. Love him. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely one of the few that we see, like, actually instructing the students in a really helpful, clear way. Swish and Flick. Yeah. Goes around the classroom and checks in on uh, little clusters of students to make sure that they're understanding and, like, trying their best. He doesn't like, mm-hmm. bully any of the students, or, like, even with snide remarks or anything, he's very, like, you know, comforting. He's always seen as, like, kind of a chill, relaxed teacher, but still, like, you yeah. know, keeps a control of his classroom. Also, from our detentions episode, he gives some of the most reasonable and fair detentions. Yeah. So that's pretty good for a teacher. <laughs> I remember, too, there's a part in the sixth book after Dumbledore is... Wait, after Dumbledore's killed? And... It said that Flitwick's gone back to Ravenclaw Tower to comfort the Ravenclaws because, you know, the castle was invaded by Death Eaters and that's quite scary. And I just, that really hit me. I'm like, oh, he just, he's a very caring man. But <laughs> <Like>, yeah, <laughs> he cares about his students. So that's Flitwick. Then we have Wilhelmina Grubbly Plank, which is one of the best names in the series. Mm-hmm. She does, she's a sub for Care of Magical Creatures. Yes. Her known qualifications is that she likely received high owls and newts in Care of Magical Creatures. Again, this is going to come up a lot. And got the job because there was an opening. Yeah. So, no known qualifications. <laughs> there was an opening that needed to be filled. Hagrid was away. She, someone needed to teach the class. <laughs> so, it's interesting to me because usually when you have a substitute teacher, yeah. that is a person who they're job is substitute teacher yeah. they go around to different schools and they sub in when teachers are sick or unavailable mm-hmm. but i don't think that teaching is her full-time job 
I think she's no. just a care of magical creatures expert who they brought in to do some teaching. Yeah. She seems like a bit of like a bog witch to me. Like someone that like lives in the forest and just <sighs> like lives her life happily and is taking care of her creatures and people kind of know that she's a bit of a creatures expert. But she doesn't seem like a teacher or yeah. like a professional or anything. It seems just like Albus was like, oh fuck, I need someone to come in and teach care of magical creatures. Oh, I know a bog witch. And just gave her a little ring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting to me that someone like Sylvanus Kettleburn, who was the teacher and then retired, that he isn't called in to substitute. Mm. That would make more sense. Mm. Because I, like I was talking about, like, <laughs> the economy of teachers earlier. I don't think there's enough demand for teachers for there to be, like, a thriving culture of substitute teachers. It just doesn't make any sense. No. I just assumed Kettleburn was too frail. Like, the implication is that he's enjoying his time with his remaining mm. limbs. Like, he's he's just too weak to, to keep teaching care of magical yeah. creatures. Quite a physically demanding thing. So even as a substitute, it's, like, going to be too much. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of care of magical creatures, yeah. our next teacher is Rubius Hagrid. So... The boy! His known qualifications... He doesn't have any educational qualifications. His known qualifications is that he's good with creatures... And he got the mm-hmm. job because he's a good bloke. Or out of pity, I guess. It's very... It's kind of a mix of both. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of more like Dumbledore wanted to add another person onto his teaching staff who he knew was absolutely loyal to him. Yeah. And he also knew that Hagrid knew about the creatures and was very good at, like, you know, taking care of them. But that's where it ends. Hagrid's not a good teacher. Yeah. He shouldn't have been no. given the job. <laughs> Absolutely like... not. There's a big difference between having a lot of knowledge about a particular subject area and being able to manage a classroom full of teenagers. Yeah. They're just completely different skill sets. <laughs> and this is where I got derailed because I know the topic of this episode is like, you know, what qualifications do you need at Hogwarts? I started looking at that as, do you need any qualifications? And immediately I was like, no, because Hagrid. Mm. Because Hagrid didn't even get his, you know, the equivalent of a high school certificate. Yeah. He didn't even graduate high school. He has no qualifications. So obviously there's no requirements for qualifications. And then I started going off onto a different research tangent of what that means. And I didn't cycle back around. (laughs) (laughs) So what was your tangent? What what conclusion did you come to? Uh, Well, I started looking into magical higher education and how people get the skills that they need to function in the world as adults. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk about that, but I think we'll talk about that at the end of the episode. Let's go through the teachers first. All right. Next on the list is Rolando Hooch. Who's the flying instructor? Mm-hmm. Her known qualifications is that she's been flying for most of her life, and that she worked at the ministry. So I'm guessing to work at the ministry, you have to have some kind of owls and newts, not necessarily in flying, but yeah. you know, in some kind of high regard. She got the job because she was selected by the Department of Magical Games and Sports and passed a selection of written and practical tests in order to be able to instruct flying at Hogwarts. So so far, there's actually something. So so structured. far, she's the most qualified. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it's a bit like, you know, government interfering into an educational institution, but it's not a bad way because it's like, this is someone who's essentially a driving instructor. Like, you know, (laughs) it's the equivalent. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah, it's more like getting a license to teach people to drive, which is something that you have to do. Yeah. Yeah, I have no problem with that. I think she is, so far, miles in a whole (laughs) other class of all the other teachers in terms of her qualifications. 
<laughs> Sophisticated gay, truly. <laughs> Iconic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so she's great. The next, we've talked about him before, Sylvanas Kettleburn, Care of Magical Creatures. So known qualifications yeah, is that, again, the boy. maybe he received high owls and newts in Care of Magical Creatures. He also assisted Newt Scamander to write his book, Fantastic Beasts of Where to Find Them, which is a book on the curriculum for Care of Magical Creatures. So I figure, like, that's kind of a... Yeah. If not nepotism, it's at least, you know, something important for the, the subject and the way it's set up. Yeah, definitely. And It's like when you take a university subject and they're like, oh, here's the textbook you have to buy. <laughs> it was written by me. Oh my gosh. At the very least, if that's the textbook you're using in the class and he wrote it, like, at least it's relevant to the subject. Yeah, he knows at least what they need to learn. Um, and he got the job because there was an opening again. Mm. This is a common theme. Yeah. Kettleburn's great. We only we learn a lot about him through the, the game Hogwarts Mystery, but not really much throughout the series. He seems like a fine enough teacher in Hogwarts mm. Mystery, but then again, they all kind of do, because all, all their lessons are structured the same yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> He's a wild one. But not as wild as the next one on the list, mm. my favourite professor. <laughs> let me guess, let me guess. Gilderoy Lockhart. Lockhart, yes! <laughs> Lockhart taught defense against the dark arts. A genius. So his known qualifications is that there's nothing about his education, because we don't really know. His known qualifications is that he's an author. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he has to have some kind of intelligence to be able to write a book. Yep. Several successful books, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he got the job because Dumbledore wanted to make Lockhart pay for his crimes. That's the reason <laughs> that he got the job. <laughs> it wasn't because there was a position that needed filling... Or Dumbledore's like, oh, you know, he's written about these things, maybe he has some kind of expertise. Dumbledore knew his bullshit and wanted to expose him. Amazing. (laughs) And make him pay. Just incredible. Like, imagine being a seventh-year student (laughs) studying Defense Against the Dark Arts, and you're like, oh, I hope I get a good teacher this year for my fucking DADA newts. And Dumbledore's like, lol, I've got this guy to teach teach him a lesson, and he's just completely useless at his subject, and you're going to fail DADA, and you're never going to become an aura. (laughs) Like, what the fuck? Truly incredible. (laughs) What kind of bullshit? Everything about Gilderoy Lockhart (laughs) is just an incredible series of events that I'm in love with. It's so good to hire a known fraud and criminal with the intent to expose him <laughs> as a teacher to work with children. <laughs> Dumbledore has the power. He could have just exposed him to Wizarding Society as an influential member of that society. He could have just been like, hey, Daily Prophet, or hey, Ministry of Magic, this guy's a fraud and he's messing with people's lives. Mm. Maybe you should do something about it. Here's an expose. But no, he's like, I'm going to hire him at my school to interfere with my students mm. and for a year just to teach him a lesson because I think that's the best way for me to get my message across. What the fuck, well, Dumbledore? I think Dumbledore... He's going senile. The governors were right. <laughs> <laughs> he's lost his touch. He should be fired. Yeah, I think... It's, the implication is that Dumbledore knew that he was a fraud because he knew Gilderoy Lockhart at school and he knew that he wasn't this brilliant wizard. But he didn't know how he was lying yep. about the things that he was lying about. So he's like, if I... No, he knew. I looked it up. He knew? <laughs> Dumbledore tried to get... Yeah, so this is what okay. happened. Dumbledore tried to get into contact with one of the people because he was reading a Gilderoy Lockhart book and he's like, this sounds like something that my friend did. And so he got tried to get into contact with them to be like, hey, did you ever come into contact with this man? This sounds like something that you did. And they had no memory of it. And so Dumbledore put two and two together and realized that Gilderoy Lockhart was wiping the memories of influential and people their and stories. taking their stories That's and claiming wild. them on his own and being a fraud. 
And Dumbledore's like, the best way, the best way that I can deal with this is to hire him as the DAD professor because one, you know, no people are applying, and two, because I think it's the best way to teach him a lesson and expose him it, as a fraud. It literally, just, it was to teach him a lesson because I always assumed that it boggles the mind. I always assumed that Dumbledore was like, <laughs> I know that he's he's lying, but I don't know specifically what he's lying about. So if I get him up in front of a classroom full of students... <laughs> Even that's bad yeah, I know. If I get him in front of a classroom <laughs> of students and he has to demonstrate his knowledge of Defense Against the Dark Arts, he won't be able to because he doesn't have that knowledge. He doesn't have those skills. And through that, somehow I'll find a way to expose him. But no, he straight up knew what was going on the whole time. And he could have just been like, <laughs> Hey everyone, this guy's using Obliviate. <laughs> To steal people's accomplishments, <laughs> but he didn't. He could have just he could have just written to the Daily Prophet and done an expose on him. Fuck Dumbledore! Why exactly? He should be fired. Dumbledore is not <laughs> capable of running this school. <laughs> Lost his touch. Malfoy was right. Uh, he's incompetent. <laughs> School's really gone to the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Dumbledore! Okay, I love it. It's ridiculous. So, one of the qualifications, listeners, that you need to teach a Hogwarts is to be a criminal that needs a lesson taught to them. <laughs> um, on to our next teacher. Mm-hmm. Remus Lupin, also Defense Yay. Against the Dark Arts. Okay. Known qualifications is that he was not good at Defense Against the Dark Arts and dueling. Uh, we don't know what his marks were specifically, whether he got high owls or not, because his like education was kind of interrupted by the war and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just never mentioned. We know that he also has a specific and personal knowledge of dark creatures, because he's a werewolf. Um, yeah. <laughs> so he got the job because there was an opening. Oh, and also a mass murderer is on the loose, and it's kind of relevant mm-hmm. to Remus's backstory. <laughs> and Dumbledore knows this and wants to keep him close, I guess. Yeah. Dumbledore's like, I know Sirius is coming for Harry, so I'm going to bring in someone who knew Sirius really well and hope that somehow this all comes to a head. (laughs) (laughs) Putting all the pieces in place, not really knowing where they're going to go yet, but they're all on the board at least. (laughs) Yeah. They'll they'll connect themselves in time. (laughs) Playing an elaborate game of Connect Four with, like, the fucking staff that he has. (laughs) Oh god, Dumbledore's a mess. (laughs) (laughs) So, here's here's less of a theory and more of a personal headcanon for Remus Lupin. So, we know that prior to attending Hogwarts, there's no wizarding primary school. How wizards get their early education is either they attend a muggle school, if they're muggle-born or half-blood or whatever, or they get homeschooled by their parents. And that's how they learn how to read and write and count and get the basic skills. So, what I always kind of had this thought about what Remus Lupin is doing is that he basically travels around and homeschools people young kids so he's like hey I'll stay with or near this family for a time and I'll homeschool their you know gaggle of seven Weasley children and he keeps that going for a month or two uh, up until the people like hey you keep getting sick all the time and it's kind of weird and you're fired and then he just moves on to the next family. And that's how he's made his living. And then later things go really bad and he can't do that anymore yeah. because of the laws that Umbridge passes about how werewolves are allowed to... Yeah. Um, what jobs werewolves are allowed to have. None. 
Although I think that headcanon is very cute, I think it's definitely not even slightly a little bit true, because um, <laughs> when Aww. when Dumbledore offered Lupin <laughs> the job because there was an opening, Lupin said that he would only accept it on the condition that he would get regular Wolfsbane potion. So he was so worried about the safety of the students that he might put them in by being a werewolf close to them that he would be like, no way, I'm not doing this unless I get Wolfsbane potion. So I don't think that he would become a tutor, yeah. essentially, for students before they go to Hogwarts, because it, he, he's putting them at risk as a werewolf without Wolfsbane potion. He can't brew it himself. But he wouldn't But he wouldn't be living with them. You just said that he would live nearby them. <laughs> yeah. Nearby. I didn't mean, like, I'll be staying in the same castle with all of these children. Like he would be at Hogwarts. I meant, like... Yeah. You know how, like, back in the day you would hire on a nanny or whatever? Yeah. I know exactly yeah. what you mean. That's still close enough that I think he would be worried about it. He's so worried about it that, like, you know, he's worried to get married and be near anyone. And Look, fair enough. I, I just, I don't think it's realistic. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> he's so insecure and worried about it. Okay. I don't think he would be doing it. But I it. do like the idea that there are people who teach children, who, like, go around and do homeschooling yeah. for various families. Because I think that's a solid career yeah. choice for someone who's interested in early childhood education. Oh, yeah. I'd give it on that action. Mm. That's easy money. Yeah. Anyway. Alright, next on the list is the best teacher at Hogwarts, Minerva McGonagall. Yes! Without a doubt, she's the best teacher in all the series, the most consistent professional teacher. Mm -hmm. She teaches transfiguration, of course. Yep. Her known qualifications. She got top owls and newts. She was Mm -hmm. head girl, a prefect, a winner of Transfiguration Today's Most Promising Newcomer Award, and she's an animagus. That is a lot to go on like she's got a lot of qualifications yeah she knows her subject matter that's a lot of subject experience yeah subject expertise yeah not so much teaching experience but like you know we know that from the way that she teaches she's quite fair and stern and mm-hmm. you know hopes the best for her students you know yeah she got the job because she expressed interest and hogwarts responded within hours with a job for her <laughs> the power <laughs> i uh, wish that were me <laughs> So she's like, I want to teach. And they're like, here's the position for you. Not like, here's a position. She's like, oh, I'll take it. Amazing. Incredible. Iconic. She wrote to them being like, oh, I might be interested in going to your castle and teaching. And they wrote back to her within hours being like, yes. Oh my God, please. We have a position. Please come. Here's a job. Full tenure. (laughs) Yeah. That implies to me that she's highly qualified. Yeah. And highly sought after. Yeah. She's one of the only teachers that I think is very consistently good, like, and worthy of the role. Her, Flitwick, Sprout, I think are solid. Yeah. Those are the only ones. Straight up. (laughs) The only ones that I have any confidence in. Basically. Maybe some of the ones that we don't know, like Professor Vector, Professor Sinestra, (laughs) who, like, Harry isn't really in their class and doesn't really talk about them. Maybe they're fine. Yeah. But the only ones that I would solidly be like, this is a good teacher you can trust... McGonagall, Flitwick, and Sprout. Yeah. Our next teacher is a tricky one. So, in quotations, Alistair Moody. <laughs> yeah. AKA Barney Crouch Jr. But I'm talking about him as Moody because that's ha- what he was yeah. hired as. Like, you know, Dumbledore didn't know that he was a person in disguise. So, this is what we knew about Alistair Moody when we hired him and what we wanted him to do in his function yes. as teacher. DADA teacher, of course. Known qualifications that he's a hardened aura. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, he knows his defense against the Dark Arts. Yep. And he got the job because there was an open position. 
no one else wanted it, and Dumbledore wanted an extra security in the castle because the tribe was a tournament. Yeah. And he figured that an aura is probably a good person to have around when there's former Death Eaters in the castle. Yeah. And all this extra interference. I really got the impression that it was like, Moody was doing a favour for an old friend, like he owed Dumbledore one. He's like, fine, yeah. I'll teach at your school for a year. Yeah, slim pickings. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get this fucking crazy guy in. Yeah. <laughs> he is also seemingly unstable, but that's mm. fine. <laughs> it's weird, because a lot of people argue that he's a good teacher. I don't. I think that, like, it's really, it's hard, because he teaches them things they, they kind of need to know about, but the way that he does it is unethical. <laughs> yeah. So he super just tortures his students. Yeah. Like, he casts the Imperious Curse on them to teach themselves to, de- yep. to teach them how to defend themselves from it. But it's like, I'm going to stab you with this knife so you learn about how to not get stabbed by a knife. Like, it's not great as a teaching yeah. method. Yeah. And he's, he's also because he's a Death Eater who's kind of a crazy maniac. He's also doing it to yeah. students that he knowingly knows their triggers. Like, he does the Cruciatus mm-hmm. Curse example in front of Neville Longbottom because he took part in torturing Neville's parents with the Cruciatus Curse. And it's sort of like a sick, yeah. you know, like, sadistic power play for him. It's very... Yeah. Yikes. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's fucked. Yeah, it's not okay. No. I, I don't like it. I don't think he should be around children. <laughs> Personal opinion. Oh, definitely not. Absolutely not. Barty Crouch should not be around children. He should be in prison or dead. Yeah. But Alistair Moody should also probably not be around children. Alistair Moody, I mean, sure, he's fine enough around children. I don't think he should be a teacher. Like, he's not really a sort of... Could you imagine, like, if you're, like, in Moody's class and you're like, oh, sir, I don't get it. Like... <laughs> Could you imagine what he would say and do? <laughs> He'd just be like, well, then you're dead. <laughs> if you don't get this in the real world, you're dead. And that's it. <laughs> and he would just describe your visceral death to you. Like, yeah. That's great. <laughs> um, yeah. Show you a video of someone dying in a horrible way. Uh, yikes. Yeah. No, he's not a good teacher. <laughs> Speaking of not good teachers, next we have Quirinus Quirrell. Poor Quirrell. <laughs> So he taught um, Muggle Studies and Defense Against the Dark Arts. His known qualifications. I... Yeah? Uh, I wouldn't assume that he was a bad teacher as a Muggle Studies yeah, teacher, Yeah, I'm getting though. into that. Like, he might have been a fine teacher. Yeah. His known qualifications mm. is that he probably scored high with his owls and newts um, in Muggle Studies and maybe Defense Against the Dark Arts. I mean, like... It says in his bio that he always well, had he's a... He's got a knack for trolls. Yeah. It said that in his bio that he always had a passion for the dark arts, but was never really had the capacity to pursue it until, you know, his his body was mm-hmm. invaded by dark, the Dark Lord. And he, he got the job because a job opened up in Muggle Studies and then again with DADA. So he sort of got shifted around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, he might have been a great Muggle Studies teacher. We don't really know. What's interesting about him moving from the Muggle Studies position to the Defense Against the Dark Arts position is that when he started teaching in Defense Against the Dark Arts, he's the only one who has practical teaching experience. That's true. (laughs) None of the others have practical teaching experience when they start their job. And assume... Assumedly? That's not a word. Yeah. And, like, I would assume that he didn't have that experience when he started in the Muggle Studies position. Yeah, he was a great teacher, except for the fact that he had Voldemort growing on the back of his head. Yeah, basically. <laughs> he wasn't a bad teacher, as far as we know from the lessons that they learned in Defense Against Dark Arts in Book One. Like, he was just sort of fine. Mm. Well, when, um- <laughs> like- <laughs> when Umbridge rolls up, she's like, he's the only teacher you had who followed the curriculum and taught you correctly. 
Except for Lupin. He he taught them the curriculum. <laughs> well, no, because he just focused on all the magical creatures. I don't think he really taught them anything aside from creatures. He did he like his own area of expertise rather than mm. a more balanced curriculum. But the teachers decide the curriculum. So he set them a curriculum about dark creatures and specific things, and then that's what they <laughs> learned at the end of the year in their test. That's what they needed to pass the year. So mm-hmm. it worked. <laughs> I guess. He had a plan, he structured yeah. it well, he executed it well, it was fine. All, all the students passed with flying colours. Like, that's a good teacher. <laughs> he did his job. <laughs> yes, yeah. I'm not saying he's a bad teacher. I'm saying Umbridge said he was a bad teacher, and Umbridge is biased. <laughs> Speaking of bias, our next teacher is Horace Slughorn. <laughs> Potions professor. <laughs> His known qualifications mm. is that he was presumably high owls and newts again in potions. We don't know for sure. It just says may have had these. He got the job because there was an open position. And then again, he got the job because Dumbledore needed a memory. <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. So, you know, <laughs> qualifications keep just bringing in these weird curveballs. <laughs> Sometimes, if you're just a useful pawn in Dumbledore's grand strategy, you can get a job at Hogwarts. How many times does he hire someone who's a useful pawn? At least three separate occasions he hires someone because they're a pawn yep. in his grand plans. No, four separate occasions. Yep. <sighs> For God's sake, Dumbledore. Yeah, at least when Slughorn came back to teach potions, he had experience. Like, he was a qualified teacher because yeah. he'd done the job before. Yeah. And, like, he's a pretty good teacher. He has his personal biases, but it's not as if he completely neglects mm. other students. He mightn't have pay much attention to them, but he still goes around the classroom, makes sure everyone's coping well, and, you know, is pretty fair. Like, yeah. he's, he's fine. <laughs> yeah, he plays favourites, but he plays favourites more in an extracurricular sense. He's like, my yeah, favourite exactly. students can come to this party, but not like, mm. my less favourite students don't get an education. That's not the yeah. case. Unlike Everyone gets other a teachers. fair and equal education, and the ones who excel get special attention. That's that's how most teachers work in the real world, I'd say. Yeah, pretty much. Most good teachers, yeah. Uh, playing favourites. Next up is Severus Snape. Here comes the clown. <laughs> Send in the clown. <laughs> the clowns. <laughs> Uh, so he taught potions and defense against the dark arts and became headmaster for a while at his own appointment. Sick. Mm-hmm. His known qualifications is that he was a former no, Death I'm Eater. No. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Great. A former Nazi. And that he mm-hmm. got good owls and newts in defense against the dark arts and probably potions as well. Yeah, you would have to assume. He got the job because he's Dumbledore's bitch. And that's the only reason that he's there. Yeah. So that's... That's now the fifth time that Dumbledore's hired someone because he's a pawn in Dumbledore's grand schemes. Snape shouldn't be no. a teacher. He is the worst teacher at that school. Here's a problem that I have with Snape. I have many problems with Snape, but here's one of them. When Voldemort originally applied to become the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher at age 18, so fresh out of Hogwarts, yep. he was told that he was too young for the position. Snape would have been brought in to be potions master at age 21 after the war. Yeah. I got. I always got the impression mm-hmm. that that was part of how Dumbledore was able to keep him out of jail, was by saying, like, not only did he change sides and fight for yeah. us, he's going to be kept under my constant supervision because he will be a teacher at my school. Which is not a great method of rehabilitating yeah. a criminal. Yikes. But... <laughs> 
<laughs> Whatever. The, the ministry gives Dumbledore a lot of leeway in this area. So I don't think... It's fucking yikes, bro. Because Snape would have left Hogwarts, gone straight into the Death Eaters, and spent his time Death Eatering. When did he become a yeah. potions master? Does he have a lot of, like, experience or qualifications for working with potions? I personally think that he's just given himself that title as Potions Master. <laughs> I think it's something that you can get if you are learned enough and you do the processes to become a Potions Master. Mm. But I personally think that Snape is just like, yeah, I'm arrogant and I'm, I think I'm worthy of becoming a Potions Master if I did. Like, I would totally be that if I wanted to, but I just don't have the time. But you know what? I'm basically a Potions Master, so I am the Potions Master. I think that's how he that treats it in yeah. his head. Well, something that happens at university... He thinks he's better than the textbook. <laughs> yes, true. Something that happens at university a lot is, like, you know, your lecturer will be someone who's very qualified and a professional academic, and then the person who's doing the actual tutorial classes is, like, somebody who's much younger and is studying at the university themselves. Yeah. So he, it might have been something like that. Yeah. Like, Snape might have been hired on as a teacher while Horace Slughorn was still teaching at the school and he might have done like an imp- an apprenticeship type thing and become a potions master and <laughs> then taken over the position later. But that's a lot of explanation that, that I'm happen. adding in. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't happen. The, we just know from the way that, like, when you said that, I'm like, yeah, that would be what would happen in a logical setting. <laughs> that didn't happen at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. No, Some bullshit didn't. happened where... Dumbledore's like, this former Nazi can now teach the youth. <laughs> but not in his favourite subject, only in his second favourite subject. <laughs> like, that's yeah. literally what happened. No, Dumbledore's like, um, <laughs> fuck you, government, this horseman that I found outside will teach the students. Like, he doesn't give a shit about making sure that the teachers have the proper, not even qualifications, the proper disposition to be in a classroom full of the youth. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, Snape is an absolutely shocking teacher. He doesn't teach them potions. Like, he just has a potion recipe up on the board and just walks around scowling and insulting people and ignoring people yeah, who... And... and ignoring people in his own house who are being rude or disruptive and just going after anyone mm-hmm. else in any other house for doing the slightest, like, thing out of line. It's just... it's He's an abuser <laughs> using his position of power to feel better about himself. He doesn't teach potions. He's supposed yeah. to be such a fucking potions expert and someone who cares so much about the art of potions, but he doesn't give a fuck. He's such a fucking shit. I yeah. hate him. He doesn't actually teach potions. He's like, follow the recipe, and if you get it wrong, it's because you're a fucking idiot and you yeah. deserve to fail. Yeah. You're stupid if you get it wrong. Like, God. Like, <laughs> you'd think Neville would be good at potions based on the kind of student Neville is. Neville's a student who is yeah. a quieter student who observes and learns through practice. That's why he's so good at herbology. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what potion making is. You observe, you listen, and you do it quietly by yourself. Yeah. And you do it patiently. But because he's so terrified of his teacher, who hates him, he sucks at potions. He shouldn't suck at potions. No, he shouldn't. <laughs> anyway, we could talk forever about how shit Snape yeah. is, but we'll be here forever. So let's move on to the next and teacher. this has been our one per episode mandated let's hate Snape tangent. <laughs> Yep. Uh, next teacher. Next up, an actual good teacher. Pomona Sprout, herbology. Yeah. So, her known qualifications that she had, this is known, that she has high owls and newts in herbology. So this is confirmed. And she got the job because she graduated and got it. 
is very unclear about why she got the job, but I guess, you know, maybe as she was graduating, a position was open and she's like, hey, here I am. I'm great at herbology. She, so she got it straight out of Hogwarts as a student. Yeah. She transitioned straight into yeah. being a teacher. So that whole Voldemort's too young to teach Defense Against Dark Arts thing is just bullshit then. Yeah, that's Voldemort's not fit to teach Defense Against the Dark Arts. That's the reason. <laughs> but that was Headmaster Dippet who said that to him, not Dumbledore. On Dumbledore's instruction. Headmaster Dippet thought that, oh yeah, I guess so. Headmaster Dippet was like, hey, Tom's not asking for a job. And Dumbledore's like, uh, I don't know, isn't he a bit young for the job? We need someone with a bit more experience. And Dippet's like, yeah, you're right, Dumbledore. Because everyone listens to Dumbledore about everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, you're right. That's exactly how it happened. What am That's I even thinking of? <laughs> <laughs> I was a fool for considering another option. Yeah, that's not a standard. That's just Dumbledore being like, we can't have this crazy person teaching, and fair enough. <laughs> He's right. <laughs> but then again, he did hire a criminal to teach a lesson, so whatever. He hired multiple <laughs> criminals to teach them a lesson. That's something that happened twice. <laughs> did that to Lockhart and Snape. Yep. Three times. Oh, what was the th- third time? And Moody. No, he didn't hire Moody to teach him a Unintentionally. lesson. Unintentionally. Unintentionally. No, he did hire multiple criminals, but yeah. No, 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 sorry. It was um the criminal yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. He hired multiple criminals <laughs> twice on purpose to teach them a lesson and once by accident through his own incompetence. Ah, <laughs> oh, truly the greatest headmaster and wizard of our time. <laughs> Next up is Sybil Trelawney, divination. So her known qualifications is that she got high owls and newts in divination. She was in the slug club, so obviously slughorn saw potential in her. Oh, that's interesting. I think she was in the slug club because uh, slughorn was like, oh, you're related to the famous seer, Cassandra. That's definitely how it happened. Right, that makes more sense. She is also a legitimate seer, so makes sense that she has a job as a divination teacher, even though she's not a Mm -hmm. good teacher. And she's got a famous relative. Yeah. She got the job because mm-hmm. Dumbledore wanted to protect her from Death Eaters. That's the reason she got the job. Yes. Um. <laughs> so is this now the fifth person that Dumbledore's hired because they're a pawn in his plans? Or are we up to number six now? I feel like it's six now. There's Trelawney, Snape. Ferenz, Lupin, Mad-Eye Moody. Who else was there? There was at least one other. Gilderoy. Gilderoy Lockhart. Yeah, so that's six yeah. now we're on. <laughs> God, Amazing. So yeah, she's literally just mm-hmm. kept around because Dumbledore's like, I'm worried for your safety. Like, that's the only reason he keeps her there, even though he, <laughs> he knows that she's a garbage teacher and a bad influence, but he's just like, yeah. oh, I can't get rid of her because she's only safe here at Hogwarts. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, and barely qualified. <laughs> it's because I can't take the risk that somebody who works for Voldemort or is Voldemort will capture her and torture the information about her prophecy out of her he's basically just put her in witness protection (laughs) great ah truly a magical magical place i can't i am so glad i i'm so glad i went to hogwarts it's great (laughs) Mm -hmm. must be what the students think all the time dolores umbridge is the next teacher defense against the dark arts known qualifications none literally nothing she got the job because of ministry (laughs) insistence and interference (sighs) (laughs) and wasn't she the perfect teacher for the job (laughs) Yeah, she was incredible. She did such a great, great job. <laughs> Moving on, the next is September Vector. Her known qualifications is that likely she mm-hmm. excelled in arithmetic or took advanced arithmetic studies when she was at school, and she got the job because she accepted a position. So she was offered a position, and she accepted it, so that's quite different. 
It shows that she has some qualifications. Oh, this school's such a mess. Yep. So, in conclusion, the main qualification needed is will and the nefarious will of Albus Dumbledore. (laughs) (laughs) That's the reason why most of them got hired. That's all the teachers. So, what we can draw from that is, basically, to be a teacher, it's like being a university lecturer, where you need to have a lot of theoretical knowledge and practical experience of your particular subject area, but you don't necessarily have to have any experience as an educator or any qualifications to teach. Sometimes you don't even need a lot of particular skill or experience in your subject area sometimes you just need to be taught a lesson <laughs> or you're part of a nefarious plan from the headmaster yep. or just no one else would take the yeah, job those are all perfectly good options <laughs> or you died you died and they can't <laughs> fire you because how are they going to get rid of you you live here now you're a ghost it's a mess so what qualifications do you need to teach at hogwarts none you need experience sometimes or you just need to be important and relevant to dumbledore's schemes so here's yeah. Here's the massive tangent that I went on. Basically, as soon as I'm like, there's no qualifications that you need to teach at Hogwarts because Hagrid and Gilderoy Lockhart, I'm like, well, how does that work? JK has said that there's no university for wizards. She did say that in the context of, like, someone yeah. was asking her, please write an eighth Harry Potter book where Harry's at university. And she was like, no, I'm not going to mm. do that. <laughs> So, like, maybe she'll change her mind later and there is a magical university. Oh, God. I've seen people pitch the idea that maybe your newt level classes are supposed to be, like, university. So your high school level schooling yeah. is years one to five. And then if you stay on after that, it's basically a university education. Okay. Which I guess is fine. Yeah, because it is sort of the subjects that you get to prepare you for a job. Yeah. So I guess it does make sense. So, yeah, it's like... Well, what we basically did is we had four years of standard high school education with a bunch of core subjects. And then for our last two years of high school, you choose whatever subjects you want. And those are the subjects that you're going to then specialize in university. And then you go to university. So it's kind of like if instead of those final two years being specializing for university, they were specializing for your career. Yeah. Yeah. That's the equivalent, I guess. Which I think makes a lot of sense as a system. Mm. Hmm. I've also seen people theorize that yeah. wizards attend muggle universities, but I don't think that you would have the academic mm, background no. or skills to make it through university no. coming out of Hogwarts. Just simple, like, you've never no. been taught how to write a proper essay. Like, there's no way that you'd survive. There's no way you'd get into a university without taking night classes or a bridging course to learn how to get into university. Yeah. Like, for people who don't make it through the first time. like Yeah. That's the only way you could possibly manage it. Unless you're someone exceptional like Hermione, who has a muggle background and is highly academically focused and has a really good rational mind. Yeah. I don't think you would ever make it in a muggle university as a wizard. It's just so alien to everything. Yeah. You need to be a muggle-born too. Although I would love <laughs> yeah. like a fan fiction about a bunch of wizards trying to attend a muggle university and just instantly fitting in with the culture because everyone's weird at uni. <laughs> it's just what it's like. This person doesn't know how to dress, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's got wacky vibes. And, and we also know that <laughs> correspondence courses exist yeah. in terms of like further means of education. There are correspondence courses that you can do. Like Filch tries to learn magic through the mail. 
in the second year. Her phone says, what's that course? Oh, yeah, that's not a course. <laughs> Quick spell, yeah. That's not a course. It's a scam. Quick spell. That's a fucking business But apparently, thing. that's like countries yeah, that's a con. With, which are very small. No, <laughs> yeah. countries which have a magical population that is very small or very isolated sometimes do their homeschooling through correspondence courses. So, like... I don't know, maybe they're run through that country's government okay. or maybe it's like, oh, you know, I live in, I live on this island and I get a correspondence course from the magical school on the mainland. Oh, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. That's like distance education. So my theory for how higher education works in the magical community is basically everything runs on a system of apprenticeships. Hmm. I've based this on the... Sort of like immediately leaving Hogwarts. I don't know what the word for this is. Like when you straight away graduate from Hogwarts and go into a job and what we see of that transitionary period. So we have the Aura training program, which we know lasts for three years and is like Mm -hmm. specialized training. And I think a bunch of the other professions have specialized training as well. Like surely to be a healer at St. Mungo's Hospital... Yeah. You have to go through training. Like, we know there's trainee healers, so I think there's something similar. And to be a curse breaker as well. Yeah, Bill being a curse breaker, I think he was probably apprentice to other curse breakers. I think Charlie working with dragons in Romania mm. is like some sort of graduate program where he's studying with other dragon masters, dragon keepers. What are the dragon boys called? In a sanctuary. Like, he's learning more yeah. dragonology specific stuff there, but he's also doing mm-hmm. practical work. It's like a fancy internship. Yeah. Yeah. We know that Dumbledore worked with Nicholas Flamel on alchemy. I imagine that's very similar to an internship. Yeah. And we also know that after being expelled from Hogwarts, Hagrid was apprenticed to the previous gameskeeper. So I yeah. I think it's a pretty fair assumption that pretty much you graduate Hogwarts and then you ch- choose your profession of choice and you find somebody to mentor you. Yeah. And that's how you train to be your profession. Yeah. Which I think makes a lot of sense. It's it's interesting because it's both like more and less old fashioned. It's more old fashioned in terms of like, you know, back in the days when like blacksmith was a viable career <laughs> option, you would just like be apprenticed to a blacksmith and you would learn that and do it your whole life and then train the next generation of blacksmiths. Mm. But it's also kind of I guess less old fashioned as well, because I was thinking about the formal structures of education and we've had systems of academia like universities since like the ancient world like i was thinking about the ancient philosophers and thinkers and ancient greeks they were Mm -hmm. basically setting up their own schools long before there was any formal education institutions it's like let's all go to the market and listen to socrates rant about his stupid nonsense and that was like the earliest university class listen to him corrupting so it's wild (laughs) (laughs) better poison him Surely this can't go Too wrong. Too many ideas. <laughs> and, like, Aristotle set up a school and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah, so I think it's interesting that magical society hasn't done something similar when muggles have been doing it since ancient times. But I theorize that the reason yeah. for this... So I'm just going on a big tangent now because this is what I did with all of my research instead of looking into the actual thing we decided was the topic <laughs> of this episode. Sorry. I think that that's all good. The reason for this is that it is 100% a numbers game. So if you look at the number of students in each Hogwarts oh, year, yeah. it's anywhere from 40 to like 150. So say 100 graduates. Mm-hmm. If you then divide all of those people up into their various careers, suddenly there's only a handful of people at a time who need training in any specific area. 
There's only, like, you know, three people this year that want to be an aura, mm-hmm. five people who want to be a healer, you know, a bunch of people who are going to go into the family business and yeah. take over the shop after mum and dad dies or whatever. Like, there's just, there's no need yeah. for a university or any sort of higher education once you graduate high school. It's just not practical. It really is like the 14th century when the population was like, you know, fucking nothing. (laughs) And it was just, you just went on and found a career and you got trained in it and that was it. Like, you didn't need to fucking think about your choices and compete in the market of, like, like jobs or anything like that. It was just done deal. It's like there's not, you know, 200 people your age who all want to become journalists and you need to go and set yourself apart from the pack by doing a journalism degree and getting really well. It's like there's two students in your year who are particularly interested in creative writing. One of them also has an interest in Fantastic Beasts, so they're going to go and write a story, not a story, uh, do like a big study into dragons and then write a book about dragons. And the other one is going to get an apprenticeship at the Daily Prophet. And that that's it. The end. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the end. So I think there's definitely no formal schooling after Hogwarts. And I think what that says about the wider Wizarding Society mm. is really fascinating to me. So I think a lot of Wizarding Society, mm. a lot of what does... Okay, when you look at the Harry Potter series on a really surface level and you're like, all oh, the witches and wizards are so dumb, the society doesn't make any sense. I think it actually does make a lot of sense when you consider this. <laughs> oh, yeah. When you consider how a modern society might yeah. function with a total lack of a proper educational system, because their entire educational system is homeschooling from people who may or may not know how to read, and all of our education focused on learning spells and mm. not on learning any sort of academic skills. So there's a whole episode just in this, but briefly. Mm-hmm. So journalism. If nobody's teaching you how to be a journalist, that's how we get unethical writers like Rita Skeeter who just make up stories and publish them and have no consequences. And we have absolutely no critical thinking skills from the entire population. Like Mrs. Weasley knows Harry and Hermione personally, but she reads a story that like, oh, Hermione's stringing Harry along and (laughs) just just believes it it instantly because she doesn't have any critical thinking skills. Uh, there's no there's no one learning economics, so the entire wizarding economy yeah. is handled by the goblins because they're Yikes. the only people who have any sort of education in economics, presumably. The whole wizarding government makes no sense because everyone who works in the government has no training in business, Yikes. law, or politics, <laughs> or diplomacy, clearly. The Minister of Magic and the fucking diplomatic incident that he causes at the Quidditch World Cup where he's like screaming at this person because he assumes that they don't speak English. It's because he has no training in diplomacy. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? God. It's incredible. Yeah. That always gives me cringe vibes. Yeah. I have a lot to say about yeah like the way the government runs as someone who studied international relations. (laughs) It's a fucking mess. It's a whole area we'll get into. (laughs) So also businesses all of the businesses that we see in the wizarding world are not like big multinational corporations. They're small family run businesses. They're like a single shop run by a single person who names the shop after themselves. So you don't actually need any sort of business study to do that. (sighs) So all of, all of your really highly educated and academic scholarly people are people who have specialized in one area and studied it in a great amount of depth, but with no formal system they've just taught themselves 
and pretty much all the regular people learn the practical skills they need to do their job just with on the job training slash like a mentorship apprenticeship type thing and i think Mm -hmm. it's really really fascinating that because wizards can do so much with magic they basically they undervalue all non-magical skills to the point at which that they probably aren't even aware that they need to learn any skills other than magic like, you get taught the basics as a child. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You get taught the <laughs> basics as a child, then you get your magical education, mm-hmm. further training on the job to do your career as necessary, and any other skill, like, if you don't pick it up along the way, you just don't get taught that skill. You might not even know that skill exists. Yeah. And that makes every yeah. single thing about wizarding society that we see in the books make perfect sense. That's so true. It's not a perfect world, but it is a perfectly... Explained... Yeah. logical world it's a perfect yeah. system yeah <laughs> that's why it's it's flawless as a system once you understand this the flaws in the thing system that set everything up <laughs> yeah yeah that's what i mean it's just yeah that's like what you said about reader skeeters unethical journalism that makes so much sense that like the, the reading comprehension skills the critical thinking skills they're just not there you know, young wizards yeah. didn't learn how to compare texts and, like, understand the cultural context of things and understand deceptive writing or persuasive writing. They just didn't learn these things. Yeah. Math. I don't know any shit, shit about math, so I can't really talk about it too much, but they didn't learn how to, you know, measure things about, like, fuel or income or anything like that because it's just not important. Like, oh, God. Mm-hmm. The way that they keep their houses must be a fucking mess. Because they don't need to, because they can conjure everything they need. They don't need engineers because they can just use magic to force any structure they need into existence. They don't need any sort of math skills. They don't learn math skills. Or like you said, you never learn how to write a persuasive essay or an argumentative essay. So you never learn how to structure Mm. an argument and how to have basic critical thinking. So this is a bit tangential. But the university that I went to and that you also went to is a bit unique in Australia because it had a system of core subjects where basically like, you know, you're doing an arts degree or a law degree or a science medicine degree, whatever the fuck you want. But every single person has to do one subject out of these four key areas. And the key areas were like, um, what were they? There was one law slash business area, one social skills area, one, uh, humanities, uh, culture, society area, and one logic reasoning skills area. Because the subjects... We had to do all of them. You had to do one subject from each. So in my law business thing, I did a... No, we had to do all of them. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. So there's these four key okay. areas, and we had yeah. to do one subject from each, and that was your core subjects that every single person had to do. So I learned entrepreneurship, how to start and run my own small business... I learned in the logic area reasoning skills and an entire subject and how to structure an argument and do good talk words to make my points happen. In the humanities social area, I learned cultural and ethical values and I learned how we as a society have decided what is right. And what was the fourth one that I said? Because I've already forgotten. Uh, Social. Oh, um, social skills. Yeah, yeah, I did an episode, not an episode. I did a subject on teamwork, how to work in a team and leadership skills. And how to follow a leader and be a leader. And those are the basic areas that this university had decided that every single one of their students need to get a minimum baseline education in. To be a well-rounded adult in any field, no matter what. There is nothing like that in the wizarding world. 
That's true. It was a bit different when I went there. It was like they they weren't part of schools anymore. It was just everyone had to do them as cores at the beginning of their learning. Like you all had to do them either two in your first semester or two in the next or all four in the first semester. And it was like persuasive speaking and writing, yeah. uh, teamwork and something else, the team building socialization one, cultural and ethical values, which is the philosophy mm-hmm. one. And uh, it wasn't entrepreneurship for us. It was like um, some sort of... Uh, I honestly forget because I didn't have to take it because I did a different thing. But anyway, like, yeah, I, it's exactly yeah, what you're saying. Fine. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They obviously restructured it slightly. When I was coming through, it's like, here are these four key areas and there's like two or three subjects in each and you can choose one to be your core subject. You must do a core subject in each area. Oh no, no. When I did it, it's just four subjects. Everyone has to do them. Like they're just the one subject. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to guess that that's because most people were picking the same subjects every time and they're like, let's simplify this and just yeah, make it these are the subjects. Combine it all. Yeah, that makes a lot yeah. of sense. I know that like there were clear favourites in which ones got picked when I was there, so they probably just simplified the system. Yeah. Yeah. So we learned ethics. We learned the difference between right and wrong. We learned how to talk and persuade people. We learned how to communicate with others and work with others. And we learned how to work independently and write our thoughts down. Yeah. That's what we learned as a must-have. And those are skills that you need for literally any single career. (laughs) Like, not just academic university-level careers. Any job, you need the ability to work as a team. You need the ability to make an argument and recognize when someone is making an argument that's trying to persuade you. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, like I said, everything about the wider wizarding society and the way that it doesn't make sense and all of the flaws, it's all perfect once you get this baseline of how things are set up, how people are educated, what they're specifically not educated in. Like, it all fits once you have the puzzle pieces. And that is so satisfying to me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's so pleasing. (laughs) It's perfect. We constantly rail against the fact that it doesn't make sense. But once you realise this, it does. It all makes sense. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be like this. It's a terrible dystopia, but it makes sense. You're right. It is an incredibly flawed but perfectly functioning dystopia (laughs) and wizards think they can learn nothing from muggles yeah god (laughs) Mm -hmm. oh the arrogance the arrogance that comes with having reality altering power yeah is incredible and is something that we also need to address in a new episode but i think we should wrap this one up because it's run for a long time well i have been gem and i would like to state publicly that I would never hire someone just to teach them a lesson because that's stupid and unethical (laughs) and I learned that because I learned ethics in school unlike wizards (laughs) I've been Rhea and the entire reason I was able to talk any good in this episode is because I learned research and debate skills in university as all people should (laughs) thanks for listening If you want to support us or get in touch, the links to our social media and Patreon are in the show notes. Please feel free to send us so many messages that we go mad and run away to a hut on a rock in the middle of the sea just to avoid them. You'll hear from us again in two weeks' time. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.